Episode 1. Ravina. Evasive maneuvers, cry came from the command chair. The loud crashing of machinery rang from beneath, drowning out the unending blaster fire against the ship's hull as the starboard side gravitational oscillators jolted to full strength. The cyan barely missed the ship that was on a straight course for it. Sir, shields are down to zero percent. Hall integrity is dropping rapidly, the chief engineer solemnly declared from his position at a large data station. What are they doing, Commander? The voice of the helmsman came from the front. I don't know, but keep your wits, Sergeant. Everyone, the commander replied, gritting his teeth. He could see the fear on more than one face. He himself only kept his composure because he knew he must if they were going to make it out of this mess alive, if they were going to survive to see their families and friends once more. The voice of the navigator came next. Sir, another ship has turned course toward us. Again the science crew made a last minute correction and avoided collision. This is complete madness, the commander thought to himself. We've got to get out of here, but they're surrounding us. Why? Wait, what is that? Came the voice once more of the navigator. By Lumina, Commander, it's... Azik was finally in view of Ravina, the homeworld he had not seen for over ten cycles. Known for its excavation, production, and exportation of Ethereum, an extremely strong metal usually used in shipbuilding. Ravina was a rocky and mountainous world, and cold, for it was located closer to the fringe than to Lumina, the great star of their solar system. For this reason, Azik found himself on a rather long journey home aboard a passenger frigate, certainly not the fastest of ships, because he had been on Long Biru, another fringe world, which was at this time of the cycle, quite far from Ravina. The Alliance transports were normally very full, and this one was no different. Azik was, however, able to get a lot of rest during the deep space voyage, because he knew no one would disturb him for the whole ride, and not just because he was in the garb of a Free World Alliance military officer. Most or all, while not sleeping as Azik had, used the entertainment consoles, or the ECs, set up in each of the passenger stalls. These had any form of entertainment suitable to the device to keep the passengers occupied during the long journey. Azik had not bothered to boot his up since boarding the ship, since he had a harsh and nagging headache that could come out of nowhere, then go away just as quickly. So at the beginning of his trip, his mind was fuzzy, and he spent that time trying to piece together his thoughts. So far as he could come up with, he was on his way home on temporary leave, no doubt due to these headaches, he thought. After that, he slept for a while. Now nearing Ravina, Azik turned on his entertainment console and flipped to a local news station that he couldn't have picked up until they had started to approach Ravina's local space. The approach and docking would still take a couple of hours. Has come up, the reporter began, since investigations began on how the fleet was rendered useless against the attack. 
Further, reports indicate that the attack coincided with the Tansorian Federation's blindside on the Alliance's renowned warship, the Scion. As many have speculated that the two attacks are related, and that the Tansorian Federation has now aligned with the Royal Ascendancy, Alliance officials are gathered as we speak discussing what steps to take next. Meanwhile, measures have already been put in place to ensure that another attack does not come upon Ravina. Azik's heart nearly leapt out of his chest. He looked out of his window. He had noticed an awful lot of traffic around his home when he had got there, but it's been so long, he could hardly have caught it out of the ordinary. So many of them are Alliance ships, he thought to himself now, after taking a closer look. The reporter continued, Since the arrival of Alliance reinforcements, many on World have felt the most secure they have since the attack. Rescue and cleaning operations are already underway planet-wide. The newscast now began showing pictures of a ravaged world, helpless families split apart amongst the destruction and chaos. Azik saw images of turmoil wrought in each corner of his planet. A major part of the free world, now nearly reduced to rubble in an instant. Azik couldn't take any more and turned the entertainment console off. Now as they descended into the atmosphere, he could see the scars on his homeworld, even through its rocky and craggy surface. This must have happened very recently, he thought, or I would have heard about it already, especially with the Scion going down. Not even his family had told him anything, and they talked at least every few rotations. Last he heard from them, there was nothing going on out of the ordinary. Now he worried whether they were okay. He desired to know more, but didn't have the heart to turn the newscast back on, nor would he be able to have a conversation about it on the transport. He would have to wait until he got on world. For now, he poured over what he learned from the few moments of the newscast. Ravina was bombarded by the Royal Ascendancy, and the Tansorian Federation turned on the Free World Alliance and destroyed one of their warships along with the crew, he had to assume. And whether or not the two were now aligned with each other, the Alliance was at war with both, particularly if the Royal Ascendancy had plans to finish what they started on Ravina. But ever since joining up with the Free World Alliance, Azik was always sent to different systems, and so worried that he may not be called upon to help defend his own home. Although he was still a high-ranking member in the Ravinian military, the world's allegiance mandated that some, like himself, serve the Alliance military as well, and again, in his case, serve them exclusively. The past three years, he and his crew had been patrolling the borders between Ascendancy and Alliance space, with relatively frequent dogfights breaking out in that time. He was happy to fight the Ascendancy, but would rather be protecting his home as well. This made him recall the reporters discussing the investigation into how the Alliance was so easily defeated at Ravina. Azik wondered the same. His head was swimming once more when his transport finally docked on Ravina, in the large capital city of Cronus Prime in the Cronus State. Cronus was actually an enemy of Azik's people, the state of Pania in antiquity before Ravina entered the Advanced Space Age and joined the Free World Alliance almost two centuries ago. The Alliance quickly put an end to the fighting amongst the Ravinians, bringing order, progress, and opportunities with their even more advanced technology. The states of Ravina then became more like regions, 
and one representative government was set up to be the world's voice in the larger governmental assembly of the Alliance. Isaac brushed his hand through his long, spiky brown hair, gathered his bags, and waited for the mass of people to unboard before he too departed the ship. It was not long after Ravina made contact with outside worlds that it became much of what it was now in Azik's time. From the start, it was seen as an asset for its nearly impenetrable metal called Aetherium. It was something the Ravinians were well acquainted with even before reaching the Space Age, and their people were masters of harvesting and crafting it, as well as utilizing it in combat. Azik himself was trained extensively in the use of an Aether Blade, a symbol of the Ravinian military. But as an officer of the Alliance, he was issued a concentrated plasma blade, an improvement over a regular plasma blade, which is indeed able to cut through Aetherium. Concentrated plasma weapons were very rare, as they were illegal for civilians in the Alliance and the Ascendancy, the two largest governments, and they were not even issued to non-officer members of the military. It was also one reason not many would dare cross an Alliance officer such as Azik. The Cronus Prime spaceport was surprisingly empty, Azik thought, for such a prominent city, especially since there was just a crisis, and there were so many ships in local space already. But once he left, he realized there were not very many people in Cronus Prime, period. Is it the same everywhere else, he wondered? He quickly made his way to the nearby Gravbike rental shop, where the stocky owner eyed him warily. He knew the salesman would recognize him as the son of Ravina due to his lavender eyes, a telling Ravinian feature. And so he did recognize Azik as such, and eventually pointed him to a Gravbike he didn't hate. A Vector VX4, an older model, but a Vector is a Vector, as they say. Azik pulled his trioptics over his eyes, kicked the ignition, and sped toward his home in Panya, a couple thousand miles away. The lilac skies of Ravina, so familiar to Azik, were instead a dark, hazy red as he tore through the cool mountain ridges at an incredible speed. He was surprised how well the rental handled, especially coming from Cronus, he thought. As much as he loved a good grab bike, it didn't do much to console his frantic mind. He thought only of his family, two sisters, a brother, and his parents, as well as his friends and neighbors. Every place he passed in this once bustling economic center was now more like a ghost town. Was his home ravaged in the same way? The enormity of it all began to hit him. How could the ascendancy strike so decisively against one of our most valuable worlds? He asked himself again and again. His mind for strategy was what earned him his rank at such a young age, but right now he couldn't think. Azik was still feeling acute yet short-lived headaches ever since beginning the trip here from Lonvira. He had to drive extra cautiously because of them. Azik eventually began to wind through a deep and familiar canyon, then finally made it to his home of Shefla in Panya, a beautiful city built into the cliffsides. Of the very few towns spared, he knew that it wouldn't be one of them, but his heart sank when he saw it nonetheless. He ascended on the grav bike a couple dozen stories, then after parking the bike in a hangar on the cliffside, made his way down the main road. 
From what he saw, Shefla was no different than the other ravaged villages. He hurriedly headed to his family's home and threw wide the already open door on his way in. Ma? Pa? He shouted. You here? Asta? Azor? Ama? His voice died off. Anybody? He received no answer. The house was empty, abandoned, it looked like, willingly or unwillingly. It means they could all be among the casualties. He tried to put the thought out of his mind and returned to the grab bike. Not far down the street, he saw another man whom he thought he recognized, but not by name. Excuse me, sir, Azik began as he neared the man. Aye, he said with a salute. How can I be of service? I'm looking for information on the whereabouts of the Avon Zinn family, Azik replied. They live just down the road there. Would you happen to know if they are still here or point me to someone who might? I am their son. By Lumina, young Azik, the man said in exclamation. It's Yerda from the refinery. I hardly recognized you with that officer's coat on. He referred to Azik's military issued paracloak a large synth-cloth shroud that covered most of the large young man's physique. It was made specifically for descending from high places, and could also cover the face. It had the symbol of the Alliance emblazoned on the back, and his rank showed from two silver bars across both shoulders of the paracloak. Yerda, yes, Azik repeated, remembering the man now. It's good to see you again, though I wish it were under better circumstances. Yes. Yerda answered. And I'm so sorry. Last I heard, no one has seen your parents or any of your siblings since everything happened. I wish I could give you better news for your homecoming. We lost so many in the initial bombardment and all the disasters that followed. Once the Alliance began sending aid, people quickly began fleeing off-world, fearing the Ascendancy would be back again. But I guess you probably know all that, given what you do. Actually, I just learned about all this when I arrived, only earlier this rotation, Isaac replied. We usually aren't told much that doesn't pertain to our own assignments. How long ago did this take place? It's been 12 local rotations now, Yerda said. Quickly doing the math in his head, Isaac was shocked. The attack on Ravina was one thing, but even more he couldn't understand how he had not heard about the attack on the Scion after so long. That news should have reached his crew immediately, and supposedly it happened the same time as this attack. What is going on here, he thought. Well, Yerda began, seeing Aza was lost in thought. Perhaps your best bet to find your family is to see if they grabbed a transport off-world. Hey, you alright? Azik was grabbing at his head and grimacing. Yes, you're right, he answered after the painful headache ceased. And I'm fine, just a headache that keeps returning. Thank you for your help, Yerda. And it's good seeing you again. Stay safe. You too, Azik. Yerda saluted as he left. And maybe go see a medic about those headaches. Azik decided to take Yerda's first advice and go back to Kronos Prime, where the Free World Alliance's planetary embassy was located, the place where all matters of government were handled for Ravina. All records of off-world travel would be held there. Before leaving, though, he went back to his old home to take one more look around for any clues as to what may have happened. More calmly searching through the rooms, 
He still didn't notice anything that would hint at when his parents and siblings were last around. In fact, it seemed to him that the residence was already vacant for some time before the attack supposedly happened. His father's aether blade was also missing. It could have been looters, he thought, but it could also mean they escaped. But why wouldn't they return after everything was over? Leaving the house, he mounted the Vector VX4 grab bike and sped back through the canyon toward Cronus Prime. While going through the mountains, Azik had another sharp headache, which nearly sent him off the grab bike. Once he recomposed himself, he saw someone approaching from the other direction. With his trioptics, he could tell from a distance that it was another member of the Alliance military. A moment later, and the soldier was close enough for the trioptics to run a bioscan and start determining who it was. As the two neared one another, Azik beckoned to the other rider and came to a stop. The other soldiers stopped near him. By that time, the trioptics had finished their analysis, showing the other person to be a female sergeant named Valeriz, serving on the security crew aboard the Triptych, which was currently assigned to the defense of Ravina. Looks like she checks out, Azik thought. Report, sergeant, Azik started. What are you doing out here? Why aren't you with your crew? Lieutenant, sir, Sergeant Rees replied. I saw you back in Cronus and noticed you didn't seem well. I went to my commander with this and he directed me to make sure you're all right. It seems a good thing I did, too. Azik was a little surprised that a random soldier would want to go out of her way for such a thing, and even more so that she was given the okay to do it. I appreciate your concern, but there's nothing to worry about. I'm fine, just working through a headache. You should return to your commander. Well, I apologize, sir, Vala answered, detecting the dismissiveness in Azik's tone. I was just concerned about the well-being of a superior I saw who was alone. I will go back to Cronus and leave you to your business. She restarted her grab bike. Azik chastised himself for being so rude to someone clearly just trying to help. No, I'm sorry. I should be thanking you for your concern. I'm returning to Cronus as well. Let's ride together. Yes, sir. Bala smiled and pulled her own trioptics over her eyes. As the two bolted across the rough landscape, they each discussed what they were up to on Ravina. I'm here on temporary leave, Azik said. This is my home. I'm from Panya, where I just was. It's destroyed like everything else, and I have no idea what happened to my family. I just found out about everything that happened here when I got to local space earlier this rotation. Now I need to get to the embassy and see if they have any record of my family going off-world. I'm sorry to hear about your family, Bala replied. I hope they're alright. A lot of people did escape off-world, so it's a good possibility they did too. My crew arrived shortly after the attack to reinforce Ravina in case of another attack. We just ended our first watch and got on world for a break last rotation. They have us doing some light work helping citizens until we go back out to local space. But that's why I was able to come find you. I really do appreciate your concern, Isaac repeated, and I'm sorry I was so harsh at first. This whole thing still has me a bit shaken up. I understand, Paula replied, and there's no need to apologize. If you need to look at transport records, we should go see my commander, Sergeant Major Ravim. He knows the head of transport quite well and can probably get you in to see him immediately. 
In that case, I'm really glad to have run into you, Azik answered. Please, take me to your commander, Ravim. The conversation made the trip to Cronus seem much faster than the trip to Panya. Cronus, too, like Shefla, was built into the side of a cliff, but the main part of the city spanned the top. Once in the world's capital, the two soldiers headed for the embassy, where the large military barracks was also located. Within the barracks, they entered the officer's wing, where Commander Robin was given an office while on world. Azik and Vala entered and saluted. Commander, Vala said, this is Lieutenant Zinn, commander of the Valiant. Robin was already standing in salute as well, immediately recognizing a superior walk in the door. He needs to get in touch with the off-world transport office. Can you help? Robin was more than happy to accommodate. Of course, Sergeant. Thank you for bringing me to him. I'd be happy to help. Let's go visit Brel right now. His office isn't far from here. The three of them walked down the vast and wide hallway filled with doors. So, you're the commander of the Valiant? Brel asked as they made their way. You've seen a lot of action on the front, haven't you? You could say that, Azik replied. We really haven't been out there that long. Longer than most, Robin said. Longer than most ever will. I really respect soldiers like you who really go through it. Thanks, Azik answered. It really is nothing, though. I go where they send me, just like you. And by the looks of things, you might be on the front now, too. Duly noted, Robin chuckled. The three soldiers entered a tube-like system. Brel's office is just outside the elevator, once we get to the embassy. They were enclosed in a semi-hard membrane, which then shot through the tube at a rather high speed, transporting them from the barracks offices directly to the embassy. Just as Rotham said, once they stepped out of the elevator, they were outside the door of the transport office. Upon entering, an older man with a thin nose and even thinner blonde hair looked up from his desk, and then gave a large, thin grin. Ah, Sergeant Major Rovim, a pleasant surprise. And Sergeant Rees, if I recall. And who is the other one with you? Nice to see you too, Brel, as always, Rovim said jovially. This is Lieutenant Azik Zinn. Brel saluted. A pleasure to meet you, sir. And you? Azik saluted back. Lieutenant Zinn is from Ravina, Robin continued. He just came back here on leave, and he is looking for information on his family. He'd like to see if there is any record of them going off-world since everything happened. Actually, Azik added, if you don't mind, I would like to look at records going back a few rotations before the attack, just in case. Of course, absolutely, Brel replied pulling up a visual of all the transport history for the planet. Are you looking for others named Zen? And that's right, Azik said. Avon or Denena, perhaps. Or try Asta, Azor, or Ama. Wow, there are four of you? Vala asked, surprised. You don't hear that often. Ravinians used to be known for large families, Azik answered. It's not so common anymore, and not nearly like before. Before our space age, Four was below average. Vala was astonished, yet intrigued. Brel put in the information, and they all saw the visual dwindle to nothing. Sorry, Lieutenant, he started. Only a handful of Zins in the last twenty rotations. 
none going by those names. Doesn't look like any Zins rented a ship in that time frame either. Now what? Basic thought. He didn't know what he should do next. He already hit a dead end. I see. Thank you for your help, Rel. Sure, Rel replied. I really wish I could have done more. Why don't you come back to my office, and we can think of some next steps, Ravram suggested. Thank you, Asik answered, but I think I'm going to return to Panya and start there. Last I heard from them, they had no plans of leaving the region. Thank you again for all your help. It has at least narrowed my search down quite a bit. I'm glad to be of service, Lieutenant, Ravram said. Asik began to leave the embassy. Wait, Bala called. Commander, do I have permission to escort the lieutenant? I appreciate it, Azik cut her off, but I think I'd like to be alone for a little while. Uh, of course, sir, Bala replied. Farewell, then. She gave a salute, and Azik left. As he departed the embassy, Azik's hope was quickly draining. He had no clues to go off of as to where his family may have been, if not in Shefla or off-world but he would exhaust any possible lead to find them. Returning to the VX-4, Isaac began the journey once more to Panya. But just as he left the outskirts of Cronus Prime, two people on grab bikes appeared in his path. Isaac slowed down until reaching them, then hovered cautiously at a safe distance. Identify yourselves, he said emotionlessly, his hand instinctively going to his concentrated plasma pistol. You've been quite busy since coming to Ravina, Lieutenant, one of the men said. I won't ask again. Identify yourselves, Azik repeated. And why are you following me? We keep track of everything that happens on this planet, the same man said. Azik figured the other must be a subordinate. The one speaking was tall, nearly standing eye to eye with him. I'm searching for some people from Panya, Azik replied. I'm on my way there now. You won't find them, the man stated plainly. Azik didn't know what to say. Many from Panya are gone. They were taken captive by the Ascendancy. How do you know this? Azik asked, astonished. We saw it, the man answered. There was nothing we could do to stop it, so we waited and helped those that were left. Helped who? Azik asked again. Those left in the towns? Yes, the man replied. There were so few that we brought most of them together in Anamov. It was relatively untouched. But I was already at Shefla, Asik said. There are still people there. If I were you, the man started, I wouldn't trust anyone left in the towns. And why should I trust you? Asik asked, wary of this man and his associates' intent. You still haven't told me who you are. If you're going to ask us that, the man said, you ought to tell us your name first. I am a lieutenant of the Free World Alliance, Azik Zin. Indeed, the man said with a smile. We know who you are. And I am Zario Launer, lieutenant of the Ravinian military. It's good to have you back on world, lieutenant. But obviously, we have a lot of work to do. Let's get going to Animov.